0: Hello, and welcome to Season 4 of For the Love of Duluth podcast. My name is Tom Jamieson. I am a former lawyer who moved to Duluth about seven years ago after I bought a business here called Lake Superior Medical Equipment, hanging up my lawyer hat after 25 years. Joining me as co-host of this podcast is a lifelong Duluthian, a registered nurse, and the marketing director for Lake Superior Medical Equipment, Yvonne Myers. So why did we start a podcast called For the Love of Duluth? because we love this town and the interesting people, places, and experiences that we continue to discover here. If you already live in Duluth, we hope this podcast will teach you things you never knew before about the place we call home. If you are planning to visit Duluth, we hope this podcast can act as a tour guide of sorts, giving you an inside look at the remarkable people, places, and things that make up our unique city. Duluth is a star of the show, and our guests help it shine even brighter. We hope you love this podcast as much as we love the city it's named for. This is season four of For the Love of Duluth. Some say lake life is the best life, a reference to the popular outdoor lifestyle we know so well in the land of 10,000 lakes. If you are lucky enough to call Duluth home, the phrase takes on a different meaning as you live your best lake life with a grandiose Lake Superior in the background. It goes without saying, Lake Superior is a huge catch, pun intended. It is also a massive draw for tourists and locals alike. The Great Lake draws in people from everywhere, so it only makes sense it has its very own publication. Lake Superior Magazine has been in business since 1979, a publication with a deep legacy focusing on the world's largest freshwater lake and the people that live right alongside it. The periodical also is a resource for the passionate fans that visit the towns that dot its lakeshore. Duluth is perhaps the most famous of these towns located on Lake Superior, but of course we may be biased given the name of this podcast. But the magazine also covers towns in Michigan, Ontario, and Wisconsin located along the lake's coastline, along with other cool spots that sit within 100 miles of its glorious lake shore. The magic of Lake Superior isn't just confined to these areas though. It's worldwide. The publication has subscribers in almost 50 states, most Canadian provinces and more than 20 foreign countries. The magic of Lake Superior is undeniable. With an emphasis on the big lake itself, there's much to write about and Lake Superior Magazine covers it all with a special emphasis on the people, places and events that make up these glorious places along the the epic body of water. Things like travel, history, environment, business, and current events are also hot topics for the publication, and that's just scratching the surface. The magazine is also big on reader participation, phenomenal photography, and freelance contribution with readers of all ages. Life really is better at the lake. If you read one issue of Lake Superior magazine, you get what all the fuss is about. The award-winning publication is one of a kind, with bi-monthly issues satiating the ever-growing appetite for all all things Lake Superior. They also publish an annual travel guide each year and have since 1988, covering a 1,300-mile route along the lake for those traveling in the area. They top it all off with a popular online event calendar, an in-person gift shop in downtown Duluth, and even a page on their website that features poetry from locals. This publication celebrates Lake Superior in the best and biggest way. When the tide gets high with so many moving parts, the team turns to Connie LeMay as the editor of Lake. Lake Superior Magazine. She has worked diligently to keep things running smoothly since she joined the team 25 years ago. An avid lover of storytelling since she was a kid, she now channels that passion into one of the coolest publications around. Here to talk all things Lake Superior and Lake Superior Magazine is Connie Lemay. Connie, thanks for being here today. Hey,
1: thanks much.
0: This is uh, this is really nice of you to stop by. I've uh, I've read uh, your magazine uh, quite a bit, and uh, this. Is, uh, this is a big get for our podcast. So thank you so much. So uh, before we get into the magazine, we kind of like to find out what your story is and what journey you took to get where you are with the magazine. So you were born in, and raised in Duluth, weren't you? Yep.
1: Yeah, born and raised in Duluth and um, living in the same house that I was uh, um, raised in. Dad built it the year before I was born and the house and I have several age issues. And yeah,
0: yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: that That happens. Well, that's But a great tie to the the area. Um, I did live out of the region for about 20 years, um, but the intention always was to come home.
0: That's cool. So, so you uh, you went to grade school in Duluth, went yep. to, went to high school in Duluth.
1: Yep. Grade school, high school, two years at the University of Minnesota Duluth. Okay. And then finished my um, college um, education at the journalism program in Minneapolis. Oh
0: wow! At, at uh, the Minneapolis campus.
1: Yep. Oh, that's
0: great. It's that's great program.
1: Yeah, yeah. And um, that was remember <laughs> no, that was back around seventy nine eighty. And oh sure. So the school Uh, then was just peaking as well. So it was quite nice to hang out with all the real journalists. That was
0: kind of when I was kind of going sort of back and forth in and out of uh, the university there. Um, And so I knew some people who were in the journalism program, and I knew it was, you know, obviously nationally recognized as one of the top journalism schools.
1: And working for the Minnesota Daily down there was a big perk.
0: Yeah, that was a fabulous, fabulous student newspaper. Yeah. With one of the largest circulations of any student newspaper in the country,
1: wasn't it? Yeah, it um, had um, a a much larger circulation than some of our regional papers did at the time. I do have to give a little plug, though, for um, at the time I was going to high school, and I think we had four or five high schools in Duluth back then. We had a lot of kids; was the baby boom right. generation. And the Duluth News Tribune used to do one page a week that was divided into four parts, and there was a story from each high school, oh, and they were done by students from the high school. And then at the end of the school year, they granted one summer internship to the contributors to that page. And I actually got that in internship the year I graduated. Oh, so the year before I started um, university, I was working as an intern at the News Tribune, and that was so spectacular. Wow. And I just so appreciated the News Tribune connecting to the schools in that way, right, too. Right. And um, it was great fun. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool.
0: So you're kind of uh, already sort of uh, figuring out the whole journalism reporting scene, and you're not even done with high school yet.
1: Well, okay, I'll I'll, I'll tell you some of the a little bit of the background on that. So my brother um, claims that I was a terrible, terrible tattletale when I was a child, uh. and my response was, "Was I accurate?" Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So we call it reporting where yes. I come from, and he had to admit I was accurate. <laughs> right, 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 and also well timed. Yeah.
0: <laughs> So uh, aside from tattling, you also had the inter- internship, so you were learning journalism at a young age, and you decided to pursue it and uh, get your degree in it. You started out at UMD yes. for a couple of years, yes. and then yep. you transferred to the University of Minnesota in, in Minneapolis, and got your journalism degree, and then what did you do after that?
1: So, um, the first year, uh, my first real job after the journalism program was in Bemidji, um, Minnesota, and worked there for a couple of years. Um, Very similar, you know, in style and area to this region, so that was really nice. Nice Northwoods kind of a deal. Um, My um, very spotty career (laughs) involved working a, a few years on a newspaper and then taking a year off to do something different. And so um, after I uh, left the, I was at the Bemidji paper for two or three years, and then I got a job as a nanny in France. Wow. In the Mediterranean for a oh few, just goodness. for a summer gig. So wow. for three the, months. on the Riviera? Yeah. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. kind of. It was not too far from Saint-Tropez. A lot of people know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. kind of fancy okay. area, but it well, was more of a local area. Saint-Maxime was the name okay. of the area, but right on the Mediterranean. Yeah. And my um, sadly, my job was to um, lie on the beach and speak English because yeah. they wanted their children to learn American English, not British. English, wow. and um, I know I did a really good job because by the time I left, kids were saying "oufda." Oh, nice. <laughs> nice! I thought, you poor children, you're going to go to York thinking you're speaking real, eng- you know, English, <laughs> and you're so, actually speaking Minnesotan. <laughs> so, what is really cool? So, did you speak French? Uh, you know, I spoke a little. I, I had taken a lot of French from high school and stuff, but you really don't learn it until you're kind of practicing right. it. And sadly, during that time as a nanny, they wanted me to speak English almost exclusively. Wow. So I was learning a little bit from hearing things. But for the most part, I was just getting a really good team. Yeah. And, and, and that's
0: English, that's yeah, and it such was, a beautiful it was area.
1: Yeah, it, it's gorgeous area. Really lovely folks as well. Right. So then came back and um, my, um, not to put anyone off, but my religious area then took a hold a little bit. I'm raised Lutheran, love the Lutheran church, but um, became a Quaker while I was in oh, um, college. And, um, and in Minnesota, a lot of Quakers are fallen away Lutherans or, (laughs) I know. Reformed Lutherans, <laughs> although it's very, you know, very, very close in sentiment for, for much of what it is. But I then came back and lived for a year at the Quaker meeting house in the Twin Cities in St. Paul. Oh, interesting. And the meeting... I did not even know there was a Quaker
0: meeting house in St.
1: Paul. Oh, so. well, at the time, talk about a little above grade for Quakers, it was a mansion on Summit Avenue Oh, okay, that they had. Nice. Since then, they've built a more Quakerly yeah, meeting yeah. house but there's a Quaker meeting house here in Duluth oh, interesting. and it's the old um unitarian church and it's just deli- it's more than 100 years old oh, and it's wow. delightful it's a stone church originally built for the unitarians uh, as a church and we were very um, less, that they were able to um, have us buy it from out after they left. They were gifted us with a lot of uh, good things to be able to have that yeah, uh, nice. meeting space. But I lived for a year at the meeting house in um, St. Paul um, as a friend in residence. Where we were called so fur. I was a fur. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we, um, you know, would help keep the meeting house clean and, and make contacts with folks and do that. And then did um, temporary service work. So as my day job was to actually... Um, I was, I can't remember what the service was, but I was a temp. And that was kind of interesting. This is back in the day before email, before all those sorts of things. So um, one of my long gigs that I had down there was with um, an ad agency, one of the national ad agencies. They hired temporary service people just to type memos. So I was typing memos and doing carbon copies of them and then passing them around to the teams that. We're doing different, yeah here, there you go right? yeah so yeah. that that was a great work experience <laughs> and, then, and then after being there for a while I um, did what um, had been advised to us in our um, university was um, if you're looking for work or, or trying to think about your career path they suggested that you try to get informational interviews with people who were in positions connected to publications for instance right. that you were interested in so at the time I Made contact with um, the St. Paul Pioneer Press. Sure. And I made it very clear that I didn't think I was up to that level of reporting yet. I really hadn't had that much experience. But I would love to chat with somebody about how I could, you know, what what did they think would be a good right. path to get there to the newspaper? And um, I had a nice editor who agreed to let me chat with him for a half hour. We had a nice sit down, and then he said, "Well, you know, we actually have a part-time position at the time." Um, the St. Paul Pioneer Press and the Duluth News Tribune were night ridder newspapers. And if you were going to work for them, they had a battery of two hours of tests that you had to take. Wow, really? And so um, the guy from St. Paul said, you know, this is a temporary position. We're not really set up to give this two-hour set of tests. But the Grand Forks Herald, another um, Nate Reader paper is looking for a night editor, and you could go up there and take the test, and then I can use the test down here. So I went up there and just really hit it off with the folks up there. And so I ended up taking that job oh, for a while, and I worked at the Grand Forks Herald for um, three or four years. And then, uh, as per my norm, um, I uh, applied for a Rotary Journalism Scholarship. And those are scholarships that the rotary does just for working reporters um, and the idea is you'll go to a country and you'll uh, be in one of their universities and take some classes and stuff but I had arranged with the rotary to do internships at newspapers instead or to be ob- observe at newspapers instead and since i had a smattering of French um, I ended up getting a placement in France for a year nice. so a little more than a year um, with three different newspapers and and working through the Rotary. And the Grand Forks Rotary um, actually is part of the Duluth district as well. So it was kind of like close to home anyway. Oh, nice. You know? so, um, so
0: you got another gig in France that's doing right. journalism. That's and right. where where in France were you this time? So
1: uh, <laughs> you can't see this, but <laughs> she's, it she's was the area of France where the Voyageurs came from, actually. So that was kind of interesting. And my name, Le May, um, is right. uh, there. That's a well-known name in that area. So actually I have pictures of me by streets and by cities because there are towns named Le May there as well. So Nantes, um, which is more toward the West Coast, and then a little down the Loire River oh, is a nice. place called Angers, and that's where I spent the bulk of my time. Um, and I lived in a, a home um, of a retired woman. She was retired from uh, being a restaurant tour and uh, own, owning a hotel. Never ate so well in <laughs> <laughs> so um, it was just a delightful time, and I still consider the people there that I stayed with part of my family. That's and so, so nice. we've been able to visit and stuff, which oh, is spectacular.
0: The Loire Valley
1: is just yeah. so incredible. Yeah. yeah, and a great, a great area. And it, it was interesting um, because you know I'd, I'd meet French people, and they'd say things like. Uh, well, you're, you're not like a usual American. And I had to say, well, it's because I'm from Minnesota, the middle of the country. I'm right. not from one of the big cities. Right. And then I'd remind them, you know, if we judged all French people just on Parisians, right, right. we'd get a very skewed idea of what, you know, we're, we're not as agitated right. and maybe as bold in some ways right. as somebody from New York or right. L.A. So it was just a really nice experience because I certainly got to um, experience the... the uh, um, wealth and the generosity of the country, but I'm hoping they got a little bit of piece of our Minnesota nights yeah. too. You know,
0: I'm sure. I'm sure they did. I'm sure you represented us well. But uh, what a beautiful neck of the woods! So yeah. you've, uh, you were. You've, you've seen two beautiful areas of France and been able to kind of live there. So that's that's. That's wonderful. Um, but at some point you had to return, right?
1: Yes, came back. And before I would left, um, one of the columns for the Graham Forks um, newspaper was from a man named Tim Gallego, a Lakota man who had started a newspaper called Lakota Times, and it had um, grown and um, became Indian Country Today newspaper. Oh, interesting. Printed out of Rapid City, Um, and before I left, I had uh, made contact with Tim and said, I'd love to work for you when I get back from France. What should I do? And he said, call me when you get back from France. So so I did just that, and um, they had a position open for. uh, managing editor. And so I went and worked for that newspaper for a while um, in Rapid City. And um, I have to say the Black Hills come the closest to me for having the magnetic pull that Lake Superior does. That, that spiritual draw, that magnetic feeling of right. being part of that area. So it was just a spectacular region again to be able to yeah, be in. Yeah. Work there a number of years at the newspaper, but then also um, created a freelance business for a while because it freed me up to do things. And um, I still did a lot of my freelancing for the newspaper, but because I was working contract rather than full time for them, I was able to go to Alaska and do stories wow. and to Washington State, to the Navajo Reservation. To... And
0: this was all through the Lakota Times, or, yep. which was called at that time. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yep. Mainly through that. So, again, just a really interesting opportunity for yeah. seeing areas that you might not need to. I even got to go to a movie premiere in Hollywood. Oh, what is for which Geronimo. One? Oh, okay. And it was great. Sure. It was great fun. Um, and uh, got to interview. Wes Studi, and um, uh, Robert Duvall, and I uh, wow, got to cool. rub elbows yeah, with people no whose kidding. names I can drop now, you know? <laughs>
0: Wow. well you know you referenced your uh, your like your career or this part of your life as spotty but but it seems like anything but spotty you got to do some really cool great things and you got to you got to travel you
1: got to travel and and earn a living while you were traveling which is really nice well and the thing about reporting is that when um, somebody looks at that resume they go oh well, those are cool things and right. you were reporting the whole time right. But there are positions where they go. Couldn't you hold a job? I yeah, mean, you
0: know, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So your your journey is so interesting. Right. That uh, sorry
1: about that. Yeah. At no. some
0: point, we're going to talk about. Then the I come back I to probably, yeah.
1: Yes. Well, then we came so, back to Superior. I got I wanted to come home, and the Superior Telegram had an opening.
0: Okay, so this is after Rapid City, right? Yeah, okay. And then
1: came back to Superior, worked for the Telegram, um, and uh, hired my now husband. <laughs> oh wow! Okay. okay, I was on the hiring team. Yeah. And um, so that's how I met uh, my husband, Bob Berg. And um, but at the same time, and so we were going to start dating. Um, and mind you, we're in our 40s. Neither of us have been married before. And we're thinking of dating. But then, you know, because of the work situation, I say we decided not to date. You know, my siblings tell us, no, you you were dating. So we, <laughs> were, we were dating. And then um, a position came up at Lake Superior Magazine. It was actually an emphasis on design, which was not my forte. I I had done some designing in my freelance business, but definitely was not my forte. But I thought I would love to write freelance for the magazine and so I thought this will be my foot in the door I'll send them a resume and ask them um, you know for an interview and maybe I can get to know Mm -hmm. them and um, as it turns out they liked my cover letter one of the things I said which a lot of younger people will not understand now but I told them I was camera ready for their job which isn't Mm. something you do much anymore but back in the day you could be camera ready so that caught uh, Paul and Cindy Hayden's eye they were the um, publishers at the time Paul being the editor as well. I went there and it was a memorable job interview because they were on the sixth floor of the um, Hawthorne Suites building and um, (laughs) the electricity went out. Oh, really? So I had to walk up six flights, which wasn't necessarily in that good a shape. And then there was no air conditioning or no fans because it was, and it was just a blazing hot July day and so we did the we did the interview by the window <laughs> and uh hit it off and I got hired
0: very cool so time wise what year was that 1998 98 all right well listen we are uh getting the signal that we have to take a quick break, and we're going to hear from our sponsor, Lake Superior Medical Equipment, and then we will be right back and, and get to the Lake Superior magazine, <laughs> which is why you're here. All right.
2: Lake Superior Medical Equipment is proud to announce some big news. They have opened two brand new locations. Nearly eight months after the fire destroyed their Duluth store and warehouse, the team at Lake Superior Medical Equipment has bounced back back bigger and better than ever with a new storefront at 4730 Mike Colaleo Drive in Duluth. The new store is located in the lower level of the bullion center with more parking and a great new layout. That's not all. Lake Superior Medical Equipment has also moved their store in Cloquet. Customers can now shop at their brand new location at 907 Stanley Avenue, just a few doors down from their old store. Something that hasn't changed? The amazing customer service you have come to expect from Lake Superior Medical Equipment. Our friendly staff is ready and waiting to help you find everything you need in our two brand-new locations in Duluth and Cloquet. Stop in and see the friendly staff at Lake Superior Medical Equipment today. Have a question? Give them a call at 218-727-0600 or visit them online at lsmedequip.com. Com. In the meantime, keep up with everything happening at Lake Superior Medical Equipment on social media. Just search for... Lake Superior Medical Equipment on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. So we are back
0: with Connie LeMay, who is the uh, editor of Lake Superior Magazine. And uh, before we left, we were talking about the fabulous journey that Connie <laughs> took to get to, to where she is today at Lake Superior Magazine. So let's let's go ahead and get started about the magazine. So you, you start here in about 1998. And uh, what did you do then? And, and what are you doing now?
1: Well, ever since the beginning, basically, I've been an editor of some sort. So I started as managing editor because Paul um, at the time was um, serving as editor of the magazine, Paul Hayden, one of the owners. Um, And then a few years into that, um, he had some other projects and things he wanted to work on within the magazine. And so I took over the editor position at that point. Um, Interestingly, as I mentioned, my husband and I were working together. We decided we weren't going to date because we were working together. Well, by then we had married Okay, uh, because I was working. At okay. the magazine so then there we were you know he was and
0: you were uncertain that you would ever date it but i assume you're pretty certain that you got married
1: i'm, I'm pretty so, yes uh, okay. i know for certain that right. i also know that when we announced our engagement my sister sent him a thank you note <laughs> oh. <laughs> finally you know yeah. we, were, we thought we'd never get rid of her um hmm. and but what, what was funny then is um after i became editor we were looking for a managing editor and paul and cindy said we want to hire bob oh. <laughs> so <laughs> we, we ended up working together again. So Bob was managing editor uh, for a number of years as well, though he retired a couple of years ago and I'm still going. And um, so anyway, yeah, mostly editing.
0: Mostly editing. And so do and the, the Hayden still own the magazine then?
1: No, uh, about five years ago um, uh, Ron Brochu and Beth Biley, who own Business North, oh, okay. um, bought sure. the magazine. And so we're part of that family oh. of publications now. And they're still based in Duluth? Yep, we're right over over the Dublin pub, if you ever want to come and visit. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. If you come at four o'clock, that's when the pub opens. So. Ah, <laughs> nice. Nice.
0: Your editor and and uh, how long was the magazine going before you started there?
1: So it did. It was started in 1979, and it was started by a photographer, which is not a surprise. Our right. our um, readers still list the spectacular photography as one of their number one loves of the magazine, right. and um, we're blessed with having a gorgeous region to live in. But we're also very blessed with having a lot of high quality, both amateur and professional photographers. Right. Right. And so the magazine still um, revolves around that photography, um, as it did back in the day when it was first started. It started as Lake Superior Port Cities, Inc. And Port Cities is what a lot of people remember it as. And it concentrated on the Duluth-Superior area. And then a few years, I think it was three years after it was started, Jim Marshall, who is Cindy Hayden's father, bought the publication and um, started expanding it to cover more of the watershed of Lake Superior. And thats it's kind of rare, and it was kind of a hard row to hoe at the time, because magazines usually cover a very specific region. right? And so it's easier to get the necessary advertising and readership. And you wouldn't think of it today, but back in the day, and even when I came on board 25 years ago, people were still identifying more with their state location than with Lake Superior. And that, I think, has changed. Now a lot of people recognize themselves as, being from Lake Superior and Michigan, or Lake Superior and Wisconsin, right. and um, that wasn't the way when we first started. It was very much um, I'm from Wisconsin, what Wisconsin stories do you have? And now people are interested in Lake Superior stories.
0: Right. Well, you know, it's uh, and it's interesting, obviously you cover the whole lake, and not only just the lake, but as you said, the watershed, the communities that, that uh, are around the lake. And so there's not necessarily there's plenty of stories if of, of course always catches our eye because uh, we are the for the love of Duluth podcast there's lots of stories about Duluth but you you cover everything all the all the towns around around the lake you know i guess i'm i feel like i have not done my share of exploring i want to explore i would love to do the whole uh, circle tour but i've only you know once in a while I get up as far as grand portage and i've maybe taken one or two trips over to Thank you the upper peninsula of Michigan, but I've never gone really through Canada or any of the other areas that you cover around the lake.
1: Yeah. And you know, um, that's kind of the good thing. You don't have to go that far on Lake Superior to come into a new diverse right. area. Um, you know, the South shore being much more sandy based and right. the North shore being much more the Canadian shield and that, um, that strong volcanic base. Um, the lake was even influenced by at least one or two meteor strikes. So, um, um, and so there's that element to the landscape and the um, area as well. That's, Duluth does benefit, though. I have to say, Duluth does benefit from the fact that we've got that nice sandy beach, like at right, right. Point, oh, yeah. and then we do have those nice um, rocky spots, most on the eastern and western sides of the city. So, yeah.
0: Oh, absolutely. We kind of we kind of have it all. Plus, of course, you got the ship traffic and stuff, which oh, also yeah. is its own draw. This is going to be very uh, nerdy of me, but I got to stop you about these. <laughs> Meteor strikes. So tell me a little bit about those, because of course, of course, Lake Superior itself is a, is a relatively, from a geological standpoint, it's it's really really young, right? It's a practically just formed, right? It's only ten thousand years old or so. So when did the meteors hit?
1: Or ten thousand and twenty five years, like I like to say, because they told me ten thousand when I got here. That's so now right. I, so I'm starting to, to count from there. Yeah. There, <laughs> you go. there you go. Um. Yeah, it is a relatively young body of water, and um. So. One of the the, the, the mm-hmm. meteor strike area that I, I am particularly fond of is there's a place up um, on the north portion of the lake called the Slate Islands, and those islands are actually the rim of a um, meteor strike. Really? So it's like the meteor struck in that area and the um, land went up around it, and so, so the Slate Islands and, are one and, of those. And where, is, where are those? I have the Lake Superior Travel Guide here. Oh, which, there we go. Which has a map of the lake. Well, I am going to look at that and so I'm, I'm gonna rip it out now and okay
0: well that's good because we'll, we'll get the ripping, ripping sound yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get, get the ripping, ripping sound the we're okay. not just making this up we don't have a sound effect person ripping paper right yeah, this you is actually catch a map that, being ripped up oh. okay now we're gonna look at the map there podcast listeners so that's cool. what we're doing I'll try to paint it I'll try to paint a uh, an image for our Let's listeners
1: see if I can do it upside down that's the slate islands okay and so um and that area is uh, um, part of a so that the, those would be in Canada a um, yep up in okay. Ontario. Yep, a okay. meteor strike from that area. That island still, I believe, also has caribou. Yeah, I, so I, I, think,
0: I, 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 I think I remember one of the few reading places a story that the lake. you guys had on caribou, I think, yep. on that. Yep. Yeah, so so those are meteor forms. So do we know roughly when the meteor hit? I don't. But must have been within the last 10,000 More than
1: 10,000 years oh, ago, 10, I think. Yeah, more so, yeah. so, I'm not sure there was water in the lake oh, at the time. Oh, I see. Okay. It might even okay. be older than that. And yeah, our whole region, of course, was the beginning of a... That would have a, been a big splash. Yeah, wouldn't I mean, it have? Yeah. Our, our whole... And now, now somebody's going to call and say, no, it was after 10,000 right. years. But I, I think no. Um, there. Uh, our whole region, including the Lake Superior area, was the beginning at one point of a continental divide. So the mid-continent rift comes through this area. It started to split and stop. And they don't really know why it stopped, but that gives us some interesting geological things right. that were happening. Um, and we always say the area was formed by fire and ice. Right. So we have the base, the basalt base, thanks to the volcanic activity. And it wasn't um, volcanoes. It was lava just flowing, magma flowing and creating that night's base that we have for of the lake. And then, of course, the multiple glaciers that right. came through and dug out the area and gifted us with the water because right. we would not have the water of Lake Superior if it, we depended only on the tributaries to the lake. Right. Um, we never could have filled that basin to where it is now without the glaciers melting and giving us that gift of water.
0: Right, right. Which is nice. I don't it know is. that we ever repaid them. <laughs>
1: We didn't, although it it, it brings a burden of stewardship and responsibility to us Mm -hmm. because um, Lake Erie, for instance, uh, people of my age, remember back in the 70s when the river connected to Lake Erie burned? Yes, got (laughs) fire, yes. But Lake Erie turns over every three years. Its water flows through every three years. Lake Superior water turns over every 199 years. Wow. So if we had been polluted to the same level they were in that area, it's still would not have recovered right but right. we're lucky to yeah be able to have that right and
0: and fortunately they have done a lot to clean it up and a lot of that starts for the tributaries and clean those up
1: and we have such a you know i think and I'm, I'm going to be a little outdated but i think the population around the entire lake is under six hundred thousand. Yeah, and if you think about any major city on any of the lower lakes just one city right, right. in an instant takes up that much right. population. So we also benefit in some ways from a, a relative light. Right, uh, that's a good point. Um, touch on the land. That's a good point.
0: Well, in your job as editor, have you had a chance to travel and, and do the circle tour? Are there parts of the lake shore that you haven't visited yet? You
1: know, we did go as a kid. I, uh, we've been around the lake several times, and and Thunder Bay is kind of a frequent flyer thing for us. But a few years ago, the magazine participated in a bus trip around the lake, and I got to be the tour guide of the bus. And so um, we did go around the entire lake. The only regret is we missed the turnoff for Lake Superior Provincial Park, which is Right here on so, the lake. Stone, and I've never so, been stone, there. So there's still one place on the lake I have to go and that that is it.
0: You've obviously we're gonna assume that uh, like all of us, your favorite town is Duluth, but <laughs> what what are some of your favorite <laughs> spots around Duluth and part of or around the lake and also what are some of the stories that you've really enjoyed? Um, and what what stories, what locations were those stories?
1: Are you asking me which are my favorite babies? Is that what you're uh, You know what?
0: I I hope that you could maybe be more, less diplomatic than than uh, a parent is when they're asked that a parent has to be when they're asked that question so so you must have had some stories where you that you're editing that you just felt wow this is this is a really interesting story
1: well definitely and you know we're um we're there's there's almost no place you go visiting on the lake that you're not going to love um but there are so many different aspects to lake. i i love the history and culture around thunder bay and um fort william up there is wonderful but then grand portage now National Monument on our side also does that voyageur fur trade kind of history. That's wonderful. The Keweenaw is a spectacularly interesting place. It's probably got some of the best fall colors of any part of the lake. And so that's a nice trip. And that's a day trip from Duluth, basically. Yeah, I
0: mean, it's a lot of driving. You it's a lot of there, driving, yeah. but
1: it's a nice day trip. Marquette reminds me of Duluth. It's built on um, a hill the same way Duluth is. It didn't have the industrial base that Duluth does, so it has a different texture than Duluth as a city does, because Duluth has that um, really solid blue-collar right. uh, working um, experience yeah. that has um, colored the how the city has grown up. Um, and uh, But again, in, in a wonderful way. Um, the Whitefish Point, which is way over on the eastern side of the lake in Michigan, um, is a spectacular um, maritime museum. It's the Great Lakes Shipwreck Museum is there. They have the bell that was taken from the Edmund Fitzgerald. Um, and, so, um, and they're very respectful of how right. they do the maritime history. I think, just to give a plug back to Duluth, that the um, Lake Superior Maritime Visitor Center, run by the Corps of Engineers, yes. um, at the base of... Of the um, aerial lift bridge is spectacular I and agree. it's free, for I goodness know, sakes. I know. It's we, free. I have to say that again. I do. We and, had them They were One, one of their first uh,
0: guests on the podcast was uh, one of the yeah. rangers there.
1: 50th anniversary this year. Yeah, so, that's really um, cool. Yeah. And I, I should probably disclose. And that's
0: another article that you had in your magazine about yep, that. Yep. Which
1: is, and I should probably disclose that I also was on the Lake Superior Marine Museum Association board uh, okay, for a number of okay. years. So I'm used to giving them a big plug. Gales of November is a great program that they do in November right so yep and and a a great space Um, and Nipigon is a really interesting that's at the top of the lake and that's um, uh, a very interesting area in Ontario Um, some great shops and stuff Wawa is a spectacular wilderness and there's a place there called the Naturally Superior Adventures and that's I I remember them always because it's the place where I got to ride in a Voyager canoe twice so it's you and 10 other people people paddling a canoe nice and, and spectacular around the coast.
0: And there. this is also in Ontario?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yep. Right in the eastern part of the lake. So now I've covered everything a little bit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> and and, um, and again, we're talking about articles that are on, uh, about locations. And then there's also so many, so much in your magazine, you know, not just on necessary locations, but the arts and and what's going on in all these different communities or, or from an art standpoint. Music standpoint, um, everything, healthcare access standpoint.
1: Yeah, we like to call it the lake style. We try to cover right. the lake style, so um, covering wellness from the perspective of what do we have here, which often connects to recreation because right. we have some of the most diverse and spectacular recreation you can have around. You know, including surfing. I mean, come on, yeah. you know. Yep. So, <laughs> and then we do we do a home story in every issue. We do a recipe box, so we have one recipe, at least one recipe in every issue, which is not edited by me solely because otherwise it would be. (laughs) But we benefit from that because the woman who writes that for us is a James Beard award winning cookbook author. She lives in the Twin Cities area but she does kayak tours up around the Apostle Islands. so She's very familiar with the Lake Superior region. It's fun to have her do recipes that connect to what we have here in terms of produce and stuff. So that's one of our fun things. Um, And then I'm trying to look at my notes here and see what else we have. Oh, the other thing that um, I'm really proud of for the magazine is at the end of the magazine, we have one page for each shore. And on that page, we talk about events that are coming up for those months because we're a bi-monthly. Um, and also we'll highlight some little thing that maybe you didn't know about. We love we love it when we surprise locals. Right. And they go, oh my goodness, I have to go there. You know, I have to see what that's like.
0: So what's readership like when you started? And it seems to me that interest in the lake is growing, just like kind of interest in this area is growing. Have you seen that as as editor of Lake Superior Magazine?
1: You know, it's I, I have to admit, it's been a while since we've done a readership survey, so I can't um, tell you exactly if we've had a change in demographics or what the, you know, kind of what um, what our readers are. I, I do know when we get responses to stuff and stories, you know, if people love um, things about certain places, ghost stories and maritime stories, um, also all always get big positive responses from people that are just fascinated and interesting about that. But I will say there's one underlying, no matter what your demographics are, I will say there's one underlying thing. Um, that's consistent all the time, is a love of Lake Superior. Right. And even like, you know, we were talking about the fact that we have um, at least one subscriber in almost all of the 50 states. A few years ago, I think when it was our, this is our, we're in our 45th year now, 44th year. A few years ago, when we had our 35th anniversary, we realized that we did have subscribers in all 50 states except one. And so we did a little mini campaign called Everywhere But Delaware, oh, which was no. our one, one that was the one- And I I can't remember if we gifted somebody (laughs) with a subscription, but for that year, at least, we did pick up a Delaware. All of them either have lived here and love the lake area, or they visit almost every year and love the lake area. Um, And then there are uh, a number of people um, who are interested in coming, and they kind of take the magazine as a way to prepare themselves for picking where they're going to, especially if they're coming from foreign countries, because then they might not have as much time to explore and return as some of our other readers do. Right. And we've
0: seen some of that just with the uh, cruise ship traffic that we've got coming in now. And a lot of those are international travelers. And I was wondering if if you're starting to see um, a spike in interest in the magazine just from people who are coming on those cruises. I guess you'd you'd have no way of knowing
1: that. We'll have to talk to the circulation people now and see if we're picking up a few... uh, Additional areas. Yeah, it's it's it's
0: fascinating. So uh, that's one of the things we've always found about um, our guests on this show is that the draw that this area has, and a lot of it is the lake. Some of it is also just the community here in Duluth, but so much of it is the lake and people who came up here to go to school and never left, people who lived here like you did and went away, traveled, lived elsewhere, even had careers elsewhere, something drew them back. Was it the lake? Is it the community? But this lake is just, it's just powerful. You kind of talked about having a magnetism Mm -hmm. and it really is like that. Once it's in you, it's really hard. Wherever you go, you're going to feel that pull. of pulling you back.
1: You know, and I'm so tickled you're talking about the uh, community around the lake too, and especially in Duluth. Um, one of the um, examples that I love to give is we have that e-newsletter once a week. We have an e-newsletter called Around the Circle this week. I lovingly call it the Huffington Post of Lake Superior because <laughs> we're linking to stories that are happening all around right. the lake. But one year, the year, first, the year of COVID, um, 2020, there was a, a, some people who owned a schooner just off of Lake Superior in um, lake Huron, and they made their living by doing tours. Well, that was kaput right. for the COVID years, COVID summer. So they had posted on their Facebook page that they were going to take a cruise across Lake Pier because they had always wanted to. And so in doing our little e-newsletter, I just did a little blurb. I didn't talk to them at all. I just did a blurb and said, "These, if you see a tall ship, schooner, coming across the lake, it might be these people. And then I linked to their Facebook page so people could know what they look like and stuff. Within three hours of the e-newsletter coming out, I got a call from them. And they said, did you do something about us? And I said, yeah, we did. And they said they had gotten offers of free dockage all the way across the lake, plus an invitation to dinner from a guy in Marquette, because he said, when you're in town, we'll take it. I find that true of all of the Lake Superior region. I certainly find it true of Duluth um, as a town. You know, We're people who like people, we help people. And it's another one of the reasons I love living here and why I would come back here right. to live.
0: Well, Connie, this has just been so nice. It's been so, I feel like we've literally just scratched <laughs> the surface of the magazine, but you had such an interesting life. We okay. we, we want to talk about that. Um, the magazine is fabulous for people who um, are coming to this region, or if you live in this region and you just want to know about what's going on around the lake, it's a fabulous resource. One question that we always ask all our, uh, all our um, guests on this podcast. Podcast is uh when you're not doing your job that's got you to this podcast. What do you like to do around around Duluth, around this area?
1: Before I do that, because they told me to remember, so I have to, it's lakesuperior.com and you can sign up for the newsletter there if you want to. Or we have a retail branch which does lake and lake related things called lakesuperiormagazine.com. Oh, Whew. these are these these are, are our oh, websites. Oh, yeah, so yeah. So now I've put my plug in there. Oh, Thank we wouldn't goodness. we wouldn't
0: have let you leave without oh, without yeah, without plug. Plugging the well, magazine. I wouldn't you be able again. to go don't, back don't, to my staff. You also, well, a, <laughs> no, you also have a store here, right?
1: We do. That's the one that's in our offices above the Dublin Pub. We have a little right. um, store in the Skywalk. So, yeah, pop in. It's great fun, and we'll get to say hi to you.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: What I love to do around the lake is basically, you know, walking the dog, walking on some of the trails that we have. Um, I'd like to say I was really energetic and took advantage of the fact that we have some incredible bike trails and such. But the truth is, I'm a walk kind of a, sure. a person. I, like so many people, I'm just blown away by the fact we have the lake walk. Right. It was such a great investment of the city to, to do that. I remember when it first happened, we were a little leery of should we do it or not. It's turned out to be such a gift to the residents sure. as well as to our visitors. And then just because, as you could tell by the first half of the podcast, because it's not like I don't like to talk. <laughs> <you know? laughs> My other really uh, thing that I love to do is like Lake Superior, day is once a year on the third Sunday of July. And um, working up to that, it's the only lake with its own day, might add. And and it's almost the only lake with its own magazine, too. I think Lake Superior Magazine is kind of unique in that. But on that day, uh, well, on the Friday and the Saturday and the Sunday, um, we have stuff down at the uh, Maritime Visitor Center hanging out. And I love talking to people and hearing what they say about how amazed they are at where we live right and it gives you a really amazing perspective of really how lucky and how blessed you are to be where you are you know we didn't need to tell them that we were going to be a climate haven you know that right, this would be right. a great place to live right. um but you know just talking to the people and again it's what they're seeing in, in nature but it's also the people that they're meeting right. they, t- they tell me about how kind people were to them or how helpful if something went uh, you know a little sideways on their trip and i take a great deal of pride in that, in a nice way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think
0: I think a lot of us do. And word is getting out. Uh, word is getting out. And uh, there's for some reason California, maybe it's climate refugees, whatever. But boy, are we seeing a lot of people moving here from California.
1: I did meet a couple from California last year at the Lake Superior Day that had just moved um, just outside of town. Um, and in part, it was because they were chased by fires yeah. and how frightening that, that was as yeah. a uh, you know as an experience. Right. They hadn't had their first winter yet though when I talked yeah, to them so that's true. We'll I, see. I I should have taken down their name and number cuz I'm curious now if they made it yeah, through the we'll, winter. Yeah, we'll
0: see how many we'll see how many stick around. But uh anyway, well Connie, this has been so great and uh obviously you can find Lakes pier and why don't you tell our listeners where you can find <laughs> if people want a hard copy of the magazine where where do they go about getting a hard copy of
1: If the you're magazine? in town here and this is the note that they gave me so I'm glad that you <laughs> that you mentioned this. Um obviously in our um, gift shop it's 109 west superior street on the second floor in the skywalk but we're also in um the bookstore at fitker's we're at uh, mount royal Um, Cub Foods and Super One Foods as well. Um, And the Art Doc down in the DeWitt sites area. They all sell the magazine regularly. Perfect.
0: You can also find out what's going on the magazine by their
1: website. Lakesuperior.com. Pretty straightforward on that one. And then our retail site is lakesuperiormagazine.com. And we have all sorts of things with the lake on it, lake images. We've got the um, annual Lake Superior calendar with a bunch of really gorgeous photos from around the lake and lots of lots, lots of stuff, of stuff. yeah
0: people people uh, there's there's things they can buy but uh certainly as well things that they can learn uh by uh by reading your magazine so Connie thank you so much for coming here and uh spending some time with us and uh telling us uh, about the magazine but uh also your your very interesting life so thank <laughs> you very much
1: well thanks
2: for letting me come and tuck your ears <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of For the Love of Duluth. Season 1, 2, and 3 are available now wherever you get your podcasts. All you have to do is search for For the Love of Duluth. Have a minute to spare? Leave a five-star review and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. We hope you are loving season 4 so far. We'll see you next time for another brand new episode of For the Love of Duluth.